YouTube has announced that it will now censor any videos on its platform that suggest there was anything irregular about the 2020 election. This show is broadcast on YouTube, so I fully intend to abide by YouTube's order, which means, and I just want to let you know this right off the top so we can put it behind us, that I can no longer mention on YouTube that Georgia election officials shut down vote counting at 10.30 p.m. on election night in certain key areas and then sent all the poll watchers home and then illegally continued counting votes almost until one in the morning. I won't be able to say that anymore. Means I can no longer mention that the Pennsylvania election officials violated their state's constitution through the use of widespread mail-in votes, which are explicitly unconstitutional in Pennsylvania. You won't be hearing any more of that. And it means, very, very important, I can no longer mention the 17 states that are joining Texas's lawsuit against Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin over those states' ir- election irregularities. So I guess we're just going to have to talk about something else. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Can't talk about it. What am I supposed to do? My favorite comment yesterday from Henry Knox says, Biden on the aliens. I mean, you got the first mainstream Martian American who is articulate and bright and clean and nice looking alien. I mean, that's a storybook, Gray. That is <laughs> a very incisive comment about uh, Biden. People forget this, that Biden, who's now considered this liberal, wonderful, progressive figure, uh, he, he actually said that about Obama. He said, you had the first nice looking, clean, articulate African-American in Barack Obama. And that's a storybook. He's the, but he's their standard bearer now. How woke is Joe Biden? This YouTube order is no joke. We said yesterday that the election lawsuits have not worked out particularly well for President Trump. There is one big one left though. There is a huge one left. And this has to go to the Supreme Court in the sense that it's a state suing other states. So before there's even the chance that this case could be heard, YouTube is saying, if you question anything about the 2020 presidential election, you'll be kicked off of YouTube. I don't know if this video is going to be on YouTube right now. I'm just reading the news, but the news is contradicting YouTube's preferred political narrative. So I don't know, maybe they're going to kick me off. Here's the order from YouTube. Quote, yesterday was the safe harbor deadline for the United States presidential election and enough states have certified their election results to determine a president-elect. Given that, we will start removing any piece of content uploaded today or anytime afterward that misleads people by alleging that widespread fraud or errors changed the outcome of the 2020 U.S. presidential election in line with our approach toward historical U.S. presidential elections. Okay, fair enough. I mean, not really fair enough. It's a stupid rule. But if they really held every political candidate to this standard, at least it would be coherent. Then I was remembering uh, a couple years ago, there was a race in Georgia for governor between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. And Stacey Abrams lost that race. And then she and many other people claimed that she had won that race. And they continued to claim that after the election was certified and after Brian Kemp was sworn in. In fact, that election was in 2018. In July of last year, a video was uploaded to YouTube featuring Cenk Uger from the Young Turks and some other liberal guy 
describing how Brian Kemp stole that election. So now uh, you got, unfortunately, a potential new stolen election, and that's uh, Georgia. Georgia, absolutely. So what happened is, you know, in the case of uh, of Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp, with the help, by the way, of his buddy Chris Kobach of Kansas, um, purged um, over half a million voters. The race was about a one and a half point difference. But it was actually much narrower than that when you looked at what would have required a runoff. Yeah, it was a few thousand votes. About Just 6, a few thousand votes, uh, and, and they would have needed a runoff. Uh, in, yeah, in, in it, it was, look, it was a pure steal. It was a pure steal. As of the time of this airing, that video is still on YouTube. There's a chance our video is not on YouTube, but that video is on YouTube. Seems like a double standard. Now, you might say, Michael, you didn't read carefully enough, because it says that they are going to uh, take down videos that question the outcome of the presidential election, not the Georgia gubernatorial election. And this is in line with their approach historically toward U.S. presidential elections. Okay, okay, fine. So you can question the results of other elections, just not the presidential, except, except they also question the presidential election. I, I just Googled very quickly for a video that was uploaded fairly recently. Trump stole 2016. Will he steal the 2020 election? This video is up on YouTube today as well. George W. Bush lost the, uh, lost the popular vote by a half million votes. And his brothers and the Supreme Court stole the election for him in Florida. And Donald Trump lost the popular vote by three million votes. And, you know, and frankly, I think there was some nefarious stuff going on in Ohio, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania that that uh, handed the vote to, uh, uh, to Donald Trump. Nefarious stuff going on in Ohio, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania in 2016 that handed the vote to Donald Trump, meaning nefarious, right? It was wicked stuff, criminal sort of stuff, illegitimate vote. So this guy, some liberal guy I haven't heard of, is questioning the results of the 2020 election and the 2000 election <laughs> in the same video. But, it, but explicitly, the 2020 election, long after that election was certified. So obviously, this YouTube order is complete BS. It's not a real standard. There is no historical U.S. presidential election approach and rule from YouTube. They're just instituting this against conservatives and to defend liberals. So when liberals say that elections were stolen, it's totally fine. And when conservatives raise any questions about ongoing litigation that can and very likely will go to the Supreme Court. It's the only court that could hear the case. You're not allowed to say that. They'll take your video down. We are going to get so, so much more of this if Joe Biden becomes the president. This is going to ramp up. You thought big tech censorship was bad under Trump. Just wait until you see what happens if Biden becomes the president. People are really on edge here. You know, just forget even who's going to win or who's winning these various elections. Just all this uncertainty has people on edge. You know, gun sales have been spiking. If you are making a firearms purchase because you're worried about the future of the second amendment, I want you to be safe, responsible, and carry with a we the people holster. People are threatening your rights now on your, your first amendment rights, obviously with free speech. They're threatening your second amendment rights too. Starting at just $40, we the people holsters are custom designed to fit your firearm perfectly and they're made right here in the USA. They have thousands of options to choose from, plus an amazing selection of printed holsters. Their proprietary clip design allows you to easily adjust your holster so that it will fit comfortably and securely at all times. These guys make really beautiful, high-quality products, lots of great American designs. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com 
slash Knowles to get yours today. This has a lifetime guarantee with it. Get an additional $10 off with the code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Makes a great gift. Satisfaction is guaranteed. If it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a total refund. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. One thing I'll tell you, especially about these guys, the price is unbelievable. You're not going to beat it anywhere. It's excellent quality. Wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, before they take away your Second Amendment rights. They're already coming after your First Amendment rights. They're coming after a whole lot of rights. A lot of constitutional questions regarding the 2020 election. I'm so, if, this, if this video turns off on YouTube halfway through, I don't know. I guess I couldn't help it. But I have to read the news. This is happening right now. 17 states are joining with Texas to sue Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania over their election irregularities. What states are they? Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, sweet old Tennessee, my new home state, Utah, and West Virginia. And President Trump, by the way, is signing on here as a candidate who believes his rights were infringed by election irregularities. And we say irregularities, we're talking about a whole wide range of, of activities, many of which were caught on camera. <laughs> so you, the big tech oligarchs can't deny that they have, they can deny that they happened, but it's preposterous. They're asking us to believe them over our own lying eyes. And in the case of Pennsylvania, we're talking about a flagrant violation of the state constitution by permitting the use of widespread mail-in ballots. Ken Paxton, who's the attorney general in Texas, uh, was uh, explaining the premise behind this lawsuit. It's really important to my state that my voters be represented. And if other states don't follow the Constitution, and if their state legislature isn't responsible for overseeing their elections, and we have other people who are not under the Constitution, under the Constitution supposed to be doing this, it affects my state. And so our job is to make sure that the Constitution's followed and that every vote counts. And in this case, I'm not sure that every vote was counted, not in the right way. It is the responsibility of state legislatures, per the Constitution, to set the, the rules for election of electors. And in this case, those were overridden in the four states we're talking about, were overridden by other officials, whether they were judges or other governmental officials. And that's not the way our Constitution works. And that's the challenge we have in front of the court. Can this be overridden by uh, people who are not responsible under the Constitution for doing this? I totally agree with everything that Ken Paxton just said. He's a very strong attorney general, by the way, and presumably has a good political career ahead of him. Totally agree with that. I, I also agree with a point that was made by Arthur Bloom today. Arthur Bloom is a conservative writer and editor who pointed out that Democrats, you know, even in their name, take ownership of this word democracy. And they say that any attempts to, to change the outcome of the certification is undermining democracy. And if you go to the state legislatures to override the unconstitutional decisions of say judges or of election officials, that that's somehow undermining democracy because democracy is only what Democrats say it is. Give me a break. Give me a break. I, I'm not saying that this is an ideal way to conduct an election. I'm not saying that this wasn't a complete debacle. I think this election was a debacle because of corrupt election officials and because of misguided state legislatures and because of partisan state Supreme Courts. However, 
going to the state legislatures and allowing a constitutional process to play out and having them use their legal authority to process and execute a presidential election is not undemocratic compared to having some electors pass some new, or having some election officials rather, pass some new regulations during a presidential election to change the way that people vote and then having that vote be certified. The word democratic is much broader than, than we're describing here. And uh, frankly, it's, it's even sort of secondary to the question of the legal process established by the constitution. All of that said, I do not want to get people's hopes up here. I said yesterday that the fat lady has not sung yet, but you can hear her warming up you can hear her in the far distance, clearing her throat, going up and down her scales. This lawsuit from Texas is the last stand. It just is a matter of time. There isn't time left. The electors are going to vote in a matter of days. So this is it. Even if there were some magnificent other lawsuit that were being prepared that had heaping helpings of Kraken in it, there isn't time for it anymore. And nobody's going to care how explosive it is. I, I keep going back to the example of Lyndon Johnson, who stole a 1948 Senate election. And we know it with certainty as of, say, 1990. But, okay, I guess that's a moral victory for conservatives. Meanwhile, Johnson had already <laughs> left the Senate, left the vice presidency, left the presidency and died. Okay, we got him. We got him. No, he, he already had his effect. I don't have any confidence in the Supreme Court that they will rule properly on this case. And I don't have any confidence in the Supreme Court that they'll even take it up. I think the other day when they shot down the uh, Pennsylvania appeal, which Senator Cruz was going to argue before the court, some people are saying, well, they shot that down because it would have been redundant. They were waiting for the Texas lawsuit. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think regardless of what it maybe they hear the case, probably they don't. But even if they do, I, I just don't think they're going to weigh in on behalf of Trump and on behalf of people who feel that this election was held in an irregular way, which is, which is incontrovertible no matter what, no matter what YouTube wants to say about it. So this is the stand. I'm really pleased that Texas is doing this. I'm very pleased that uh, my new state of Tennessee is doing this. You know, all my exes live in Texas, which is why I hang my hat in Tennessee. Uh, but both states doing great work, as are those other states that are signing on, and the Trump campaign. I'm glad they're doing it. I, I hope we can fight extraordinarily hard. And if it doesn't work out, we're all going to make sure that we have a lot to drink, which is why I've got to tell you about First Leaf. The, there is nothing like that Friday feeling, you know. <laughs> but I don't need to wait for that feeling to kick in once a week, because with award-winning wine from First Leaf any day, can feel like Friday. First Leaf is a wine club that sends personalized selections of wine from top vineyards around the world directly to you. Because the only thing better than one fantastic bottle of wine is a case of award-winning wine that shows up at your doorstep. Every bottle is handpicked by experts with your exact preferences and palate in mind. How do they know that? Because they send you wines based on your preferences, but they'll mix it up sometimes a little, push your boundaries, and then if you really like it, you, you rate them, and then as you use First Leaf, they get more and more in tune to your tastes. I've been a mem member of other wine clubs, and all those other wine clubs are terrible in my experience. First Leaf is excellent. They gave me a freebie for my first shipment, and it was so great that I now 
have the highest tier of membership. I love it. I use it all the time. Subscriptions are flexible and shipments arrive on your schedule with practically zero effort. Plus, First Leaf is much more affordable uh, and, and much easier to, to get wine from top winemakers and vineyards. Check it out right now. What are you waiting for? Get that Friday feeling like I do any day with First Leaf. Join today and you will get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. That's an unbelievable deal, first of all. It, even, I, I always say the First Leaf membership is the best money I spend every month, but uh, you can get it $29.95 and free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Knowles. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95. Free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash Knowles. If the courts do not go the right way, if Joe Biden becomes president, is named president-elect, there is still a lot that we can do in the meantime. You saw a little bit of this happening yesterday. There are things we can do with the DOJ. There are things we can do with the executive agencies. There are things that we can do as a matter of executive orders. So this came out of the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, just yesterday. Federal law enforcement officials are investigating Hunter Biden for all sorts of tax-related matters, shady business deals, that sort of thing. There had been an investigation already into Hunter Biden that was going on because Hunter Biden obviously has been peddling his father's influence for years and years now, enriching himself to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. Joe Biden knew about this. We have the Hunter Biden laptop. Joe Biden was aware of this. Hunter Biden admitted it himself that he talked to his dad about these business deals. And so Joe denies it, but we have his son contradicting him about it. He made a lot of money on this. There was an investigation. There actually was an investigation even before Bill Barr took over at the DOJ. They paused this for the presidential election because they didn't want it to be seen as any sort of impropriety interfering in the election. Now that has picked up again. This is very important. Not because they're going to nab Hunter Biden. I don't think they will. I don't think Joe Biden, if he becomes president, will allow them to nab Hunter Biden, even though it's so, uh, the corruption is so preposterous. Unless Hunter Biden is some expert in Chinese financial affairs and an expert in Ukrainian energy companies, obviously this was pure corruption. You had that, that CCP expert yesterday admitting that they bought off the Biden family in China. However, the reason it's important is because if Joe Biden becomes president, then he's going to have to be the one to shut down this investigation. And that's not going to look right. He's going to have to go in there and expose his own corruption or allow the investigation to proceed, which very likely would implicate him as well. That's one thing we can do. I think we need to keep that up. We need to uh, ramp that up, ramp up as many <laughs> investigations that are as hard to shut down as possible. Definitely do that. Another thing we need to do, if Joe Biden is going to become president, which he, he may, the Supreme Court has suggested that he, he very likely will, get Eric Swalwell kicked off of the House Intelligence Committee and possibly get him kicked out of Congress. We talked yesterday about Swalwell's honey trap, the idea that Swalwell was close with this Chinese spy. She seems to have raised a lot of money for him, may have raised uh, many things while she was in the country. We don't know, okay? We, we know, it seems as though the FBI believes that this Chinese spy slept with multiple U.S. officials. Was it Eric Swalwell? We don't know. If she did sleep with Eric Swalwell, because Eric Swalwell is us, according to his 2020 presidential campaign, that means that we all slept with Eric Swalwell, which means we all cheated on our wives, except that means our wives slept with her too, which means we're all in the same boat. 
more details are coming out about this, it's going to be very embarrassing for Mr. Swalwell. It's especially embarrassing because there'd be rank hypocrisy here. During the 2016 campaign and the aftermath of that, Eric Swalwell in many ways led the charge accusing Don Jr. of one time meeting with someone who might have been associated with the Russian government. We've all gotten a PhD in Russian studies that none of us uh, signed up for. Uh, but stated plainly, the president's son met with a Russian spy. We, we now have the best evidence of that. In our minority report, the Democrats put out that Ms. Veselnitskaya was going all over the world and bumping into Dana Rohrabacher, which is a sign of a, a spy, someone who tries to create you know, a, a coincidence uh, encounter. Uh, and now we know that she was working at the behest of the Russian government. The president's son, Nicole, met with a Russian spy. So the president's son may have met with a Ru- someone connected to the Russian government. But Eric Swalwell, it would appear, did a whole lot more than bump into Chinese spies. Well, it, bu- it depends on how we look at that verb. Eric Swalwell appears to have had a much more intimate relationship with a Chinese spy. China, a much more threatening adversary to the United States than Russia. This man cannot be permitted to stay on the House Intel Committee. I don't know. They're, they're not going to get him kicked out of Congress, but it is absolutely insane that this man is allowed to remain on the House Intel Committee. He absolutely has to be stripped of that. Republicans should keep beating that drum. Why? Who cares about Eric Swalwell? Because it's the right thing to do. It exposes the impropriety. This story about the Chinese spy and Eric Swalwell is absolutely going to be covered up by the mainstream media. No one's going to talk about it other than us. We need to turn up as much pressure as we possibly can to get that dude kicked off of the Intel Committee. One, because he's a national security risk and a blackmail risk. But two, because we need to expose the story as a, as a political matter, as well. It's a national security matter. It's also a matter of simple politics. If the media aren't going to expose the story, we need to keep it up. We're the only ones who can do that. You know, we are, it feels as though we're on a razor's edge in this country of, of turning into a, a very bad direction with regard to China, with regard to domestic politics. We're right on that razor's edge. It's a very, very sharp edge, but it's not as sharp as Harry's razors. Harry's just came out with their sharpest blades ever. And unlike some other razor companies, they are not charging you more for their product improvements. I shaved with a Harry's razor today, and it's the greatest Harry's, it's not, it's also the greatest Harry's razor I've ever used, but it's the greatest razor, period. Harry's new sharper blades are still as low as $2 each. Other razor companies have increased their prices when they introduced something new. Harry's is delivering their sharpest shave ever, and they aren't raising their prices. I got to tell you, you know, I just moved recently. And what's great about Harry's, you can get the the razors shipped to you, so it's all very easy. But when you move, sometimes you forget to change the address and everything. So I found myself, I was using the same Harry's blade for a long, long, long time. And it still remained extraordinarily sharp. Now, though, I have bought a lot more Harry's razor blades. It's wonderful. They have 100% quality guarantee at harrys.com really great stuff. Simple, very high quality. Harry's is available wherever you shop. You can get Harry's Sharpest Blades ever at uh, big box drug and grocery stores near you. You head on over to the grooming aisle, 
And if you like to shop online, which I do, Harry's has a great offer for listeners. New U.S. customers can redeem a Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. You'll get a five-blade razor featuring their new sharper blades, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover, which I really, really like. That's a nice innovation. To protect your blade wherever you're on the go, just go to harrys.com slash Knowles and redeem your trial offer today. We should get it as tough as possible on these Democrats as a political matter uh, if it looks like the election is really going to Biden because the Democrats are going to be merciless when it comes to us. They're not just going to get tough in a political way. They're going to get tough in a physical way. <laughs> they're, they're threatening Republicans all over. You hear Joe Biden every so often say, we need healing. We need unity. Barack Obama is the first articulate black man in America. He said, he said that. He did say that. Don't forget that he said that. The woke people are going to try to erase that, but he did. The Democrats are going to be merciless. Well, well, Joe Biden is telling us that we're going to have unity and healing. You have a Michigan state representative, Cynthia Johnson, threatening Trump supporters and telling her constituents to go after them. So this is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. We ain't playing with you. Enough of the shenanigans. Enough is enough. And for those of you who are soldiers, you know how to do it. Do it right. Be in order. Make them pay. I love y'all. Bye-bye. I don't think she loves us all. <laughs> of all. I believe most of what she just said. The one thing I don't believe is that she loves us all. I think she wants to kill Trump supporters. She's calling to kill us. She's not saying be mean to them or even Maxine Waters said, you know, find them where they are in public and go to their homes and yell at them and push back on them. This woman is calling on people to murder us. She says, you know, you know, Trumpers, you better watch out. You better watch out. And even then you say, okay, maybe it's just a sort of vague threat. And she goes, those of you who are soldiers, you know what to do. You know how to do it. Well, what do so Oh, soldiers kill people, right? That's what they do. Soldiers kill people. And this elected Democrat wants to kill us. Uh, she has been stripped of her committee assignments and may face further disciplinary action, apparently, according to the Michigan House Representative Lee Chatfield. Ain't good enough, buddy. <laughs> Not even close to good. Obviously, she's stripped of her committee assignments. She certainly should be kicked out of the Michigan State House. I don't know, maybe she should face some criminal charges. You're, you're not allowed to threaten to kill people. That's a, that's a big deal. And she's threatening to kill all the Trump supporters. And she's inciting soldiers to kill us. She's asking the soldiers to kill us. Ain't good enough. Ain't good enough to strip her of her committee assignments. At the very least, she needs to be kicked out of the, the state house. And probably she should face criminal charges. We're going to get a whole lot more of that. We're not going to be able to speak out against it because big tech has already told us they're not going to let us voice our opinions. They say, if, if you have any problem with the 2020 election, you got any problem with that? Go somewhere else. Build your own YouTube. <laughs> That's what they say. That's, you'd hear this from the kind of squishy Republicans. They say, well, just, we can't, we can't make YouTube do what we want through politics. So we've just build your own YouTube. You can't build your own YouTube. 
You can't build your own YouTube. They have t- taken over the market. <laughs> they have a critical mass. They acquired that crit- critical mass through fraud and through the exploitation of legal uh, liability protections that they do not deserve. And we need to get a little bit tougher than we used to be as Republicans. I don't mean tougher in the way that she says, go kill all the, your political opponents. I mean, get tougher through politics, through the law. And unbelievable, this is, this is the funniest headline I've read uh, probably in weeks. During this whole period, the Washington Post believes that Republicans need, need to nominate possibly the most liberal member of their party to the 2020 Republican nomination. Uh, We'll get into that very, very silly article. You know, there are some bright sides to 2020. It's been a tough year in many, many ways. There are some bright sides. One of them is the new and improved Leftist Tears Tumblr. You can keep those Leftist Tears hot or cold in a new stainless steel design with a custom Daily Wire lid, all dishwasher safe. Very, very snazzy. Join Daily Wire now or upgrade your membership to get yours just in time to enjoy those salty tears while watching all of our new content. The Michael Knowles Show is now five days a week. How great is that? By the way, we're also going to radio in January. That's going to be a lot of fun. By the way, we also got the PragerU catalog at dailywire.com, which includes one of my shows, the PragerU Book Club, also includes Candace Owens' show. And by the way, Candace is coming to the Daily Wire. There's so much great stuff coming on. Uh, It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, By the way, uh, we've got our first feature film coming out under Daily Wire's upcoming entertainment channel. We're building a new investigative journalism team to replace the legacy media cartel. Go outside the narrative. Come on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. We are loud. We are opinionated. We're having a very good time. We'll be right back with a lot more. Elected Democrats are threatening to kill us, <laughs> and the largest media companies in the world are threatening to censor us, promising to censor us. You've got a major political realignment going on. Even, even the New York Times admitted this yesterday. The New York Times said that Joe Biden, Joe from Scranton, didn't win the working class, right? Ever, they always said Joe was going to win back the working class, and he was going to win back, you know, black and Latino voters. And and actually what you saw in 2016, and as much as you take the uh, election results at face value, is Trump actually made inroads. He made gains among the working class, among black voters, among Hispanic voters, among everybody apparently except for white men. And if you look at education, that was the big difference. The, The people who have more college degrees which by the way, I will not confuse with actual education, but the people who have more of these educational credentials are more likely to vote for Democrats. The people who have less of those educational credentials more likely to vote for Republicans, which completely blows up the former Democratic idea that Republicans were the class of the rich and the plutocrats and rich Uncle Pennybags. No, the Republicans are a, a diverse party, but in as much as the working class has a party, it's the Republican party. And even the New York Times is admitting this now. So while you've got this major political realignment, the swamp blob liberal establishment wants to go back to business as usual, wants to go back to the old way of doing things, wants to go back to nominating squishes for the Republican Party who can then lose with dignity, dignity to the Democratic candidate. 
from the Washington Post, the silliest column I've read in quite some time. Or I guess it's not even a column, I guess it's a news article. I haven't abandoned my principles. Larry Hogan, pondering challenge to Trump, casts himself as a traditional Republican. Now this, this article came out last year. This is being promoted in the past few days, the Larry Hogan presidency, presidential campaign, as the future of the Republican Party. But this is what they wrote. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan acknowledges that many Republicans nationwide who have heard about his potential presidential ambitions probably view him as a centrist with little hope of finding support in Trump's GOP. But amid growing tensions between Trump and Republican lawmakers over foreign policy and the president's treatment of global alliances, Hogan is signaling that if he decides to wage an insurgent campaign, he would pitch himself as far more in tune with the party's long-held values and worldview than Trump. I come from the Ronald Reagan school of politics, Hogan said last week in a wide-ranging interview at the state capitol, shaking his head in disapproval when asked whether he shares Trump's nationalism. Then he talks about how great the old sort of post-war liberal consensus was and talks about how great liberal Republicans are and pretends that he's Ronald Reagan because he's a liberal. When, when Larry Hogan said, the only reason I bring up this older article right now is because it, it, Hogan 2024 is now getting a surge on social media from blue checkmark liberals who are completely out of touch with the GOP base. When Larry Hogan says he's never abandoned his principles, I, I actually take him at face value. He's always been a liberal Republican and he is still a liberal Republican. His values are liberal values. He has, Mitt Romney, I don't think has abandoned his values. His values were always to be a slick liberal politician who would occasionally lie and pretend to be more conservative than he is when he thought it would benefit his political career. And there are a lot of Republicans like that. When he says, I come from the Ronald Reagan School of Politics, you are going to hear this. Not, you've been hearing it for years from the Washington Post. You're hearing it today. This canard that back in Reagan's day, you know, Reagan, whom the liberal establishment loved. Oh, they loved him. After he died, they loved him. When he was alive, they hated his guts. Called him a Nazi, called him a KKK, said all of his supporters were Nazis and white supremacists. Same thing they did to Trump. They said, Ronald Reagan, you know, at least he could get along with Democrats. He would, he and Tip O'Neill, who was the Speaker of the House, they would fight all day long. But you know, at six o'clock, they'd go over, they'd have drinks together. They were friends. The only problem with that story is that it's completely untrue. Nothing about that is true. They hated one another. They were not friends. They did not work together. I would be surprised if they ever had more than a drink together. Tip O'Neill called Ronald Reagan evil. He said that he had ice water running through his veins. Reagan was a little bit nicer to Tip O'Neill in public than Tip O'Neill was to Ronald Reagan. But in private, these guys absolutely hated one another. They didn't spend time together. They didn't chat and they didn't work on anything together. We have to oppose the liberal left we don't want to become the liberal left. What the establishment wants us to do is nominate the Mitt Romneys and the John McCain's and the Larry Hogan's and the John Kasich's and all those guys, Jeff Flake, and put them up as pretend opposition. Court jester conservatives who can go up there and if they win, it's not a big deal because they're liberals. And really they're probably going to lose. And it's good if they lose because they've played their part in this uh, kingdom of liberalism. They want to put up Republicans who agree with the left on basically every cultural matter, but maybe they disagree on tax cuts or something. But actually, here's the secret. Here's the big secret. The liberal establishment doesn't mind tax cuts. 
Actually, the, most of the richest people in the country are extremely wealthy and they enjoy tax cuts. And the tax cuts don't threaten their social programs because they just borrow more money from China to fund them. And they're going to cozy up to China if Joe Biden becomes president. Not enough. Those guys, weak sauce. It's preposterous because they, they would never get through a GOP nomination. Not, not these days. We need to get cultural. You know, we talked about this issue that keeps coming up. The porn issue, the porn debate. I know some people don't like the porn debate. I think the porn debate is important in itself. It's also important though, even if you don't care about the porn thing, it's important as a symbol of digging in on cultural matters because the culture will affect politics. Politics will affect culture too, but the culture will affect the politics. So there's a big problem with, with online pornography. Nicholas Kristof, the liberal columnist in the New York Times came out and he said, look, there's child pornography on here or under, at least under, they might not be five years old, but they're at least 17 years old, 15 years old, 14 years old. That's obviously illegal. And there's uh, rape victims, trafficking victims. And so you got to get this off here. The only reason this got any play is because you had someone working from within the liberal establishment who called this out. He wasn't calling out the other problems with porn, namely that it gets young boys addicted at a very young age and perverts the entire country and turns us all into just sort of over-sensitized, vicious people, licentious people who aren't capable of liberty. Uh, That's the more conservative critique of, of porn. But the liberal critique is, well, consent, you know, and all these sorts of problems. Okay. As a result of that, credit card companies suggested they were going to cut off Pornhub. So MasterCard and Visa came out publicly, said they were reconsidering their relationship with Pornhub after Kristoff accused the site of being infested with not just the underage stuff, but racist, violent, misogynistic content. Uh, Then the the companies came out and said, we're not going to do business with them. That's very good. We can cheer that on. We can cheer that on. As conservatives, we need to take the victories that we can get, even if it is aided by liberals through liberal establishments, even through some arguments that are maybe secondary to the broader argument. You know, the, the idea that there's racism on Pornhub. I don't even really know what that means to say there's racism on Pornhub. To me, the bigger issue is the fact that we're getting young boys hooked on all this licentious stuff and that there's exploitative content on there. But fine. Okay. It's a, through racism. Okay, fine. Whatever works to weaken that giant company's exploitative hold on the culture, that's great. That's good stuff. You could imagine that some real pure free marketeers would say, this is a distortion of the free market. You should not allow these kind of cultural factors to come into play. You should not allow, certainly you shouldn't allow government to threaten Pornhub's ability to do whatever they want even though we've had obscenity laws in this country from the very beginning. But even, you know, even the idea that you're not going to allow people to use certain payment processors, I don't know, it's a little dicey. I guess the payment processors are their own companies, but still these are market interferences. Pornhub has no right to exist. It, It has no right to exist. According to the constitution, there's no right. According to U.S. law, there's no right. Our founding fathers would be rolling over in their graves if they knew that this sort of thing were happening. Now, I'm not saying that means we need to outright ban Pornhub right away, because I, I actually don't think it's possible politically. I don't know that it's prudent. We, we went through some of the arguments from St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas over why they defended legal prostitution and some uh, space in politics to recognize that these vices won't be totally suppressed, the idea that you're not going to 
cut out lust from the heart of man eternally. You need, you need to be prudent. You need to be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. But let's not just give Pornhub a free pass. Absolutely not. Keep the pressure up. Let's not pretend they have any right to exist. They exist because at the pleasure of the American people, you can interpret pleasure however you like. They have no right to exist though. And by the way, it, the, the thing worked to some degree. Pornhub says that now they're only going to uh, have content partners and people within their model program be able to upload content to Pornhub. Uh, meaning that, you know, they're going to have some kind of way of verifying who gets to upload content. They're not going to allow users to download content from Pornhub uh, with the exception of paid downloads from the verified model program. Okay. They've got fingerprinting technology, which will mitigate the ability for uh, content that's already been removed to be re-uploaded. That's going to be effective immediately. They're also going to establish a red team to self-audit the platform for potentially illegal material. So that means someone's job is just to sit all day and look at the most heinous kind of pornography, probably illegal pornography, and take it down. Doesn't sound like great work. Sounds like pretty corrupting work. But anyway, they're going to do that. I don't know that we can trust Pornhub to do it. That's a good start. Glad that they're doing that. But it's not enough. My proposal for Pornhub is if you want to use Pornhub, not just upload content, but if you want to use it, if you want to access it, you've got to upload a valid ID doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 65 years old. If you want to use Pornhub, if you want to access it and download it, you need to upload an ID. The reason for this is in part age verification and in part shame. It's the same reason that you have to show an ID when you go buy a Playboy, <laughs> right? It's the same reason the Playboy, when you go buy it at the store, is in a different kind of section of the store, a different kind of envelope or something, because there should be some shame here. We should cultivate that shame. There's nothing wrong with doing that. People ought to feel that shame themselves. And I'm not, still, people, a lot of people are going to use it. Something like approximately 100% of men have looked at online pornography at some point. The joke about the survey is that, what was it, 94% of men have looked at naked ladies on the internet and 6% of men are lying. <laughs> Something to that effect. So it's a good start. And as conservatives, what you want to do is fix the pro problem in the way that you can. You're not going for a total revolutionary solution right away. You're not going to let the perfect get in the way of the good. But this is a somewhat decent start. We need good standards again. You know, right now we pretend that we don't have standards. We pretend that anything goes because you hear things like, oh, if it feels good, do it. Love is love. It's, if it doesn't hurt anybody, you know, it's your choice, man, whatever. But we, we do have standards, actually. The, the, the standards are political correctness, and the, the problem is that those standards are dumb and bad. <laughs> but we have them. We just need good standards is, is the issue. Uh, Kumail Nanjani, who is apparently an actor, he has a blue check mark on Twitter, and I'm reliably informed he's an actor. Kumail says, he tweeted this out yesterday, traditional masculinity is a disease. And when I read that, when I saw this ostensible, ostensibly a man tweeting out traditional masculinity is, is a disease, I just thought, I hope she sees this, bro. Whatever feminist girl you're trying to impress with that tweet, I, I hope she sees it. I hope it was worth something. Uh, this is what they say. When they say on the left that masculinity is toxic or something. Um, they're not referring to a specific kind of toxic masculinity, but they like the good masculinity. They hate the toxic one. I actually think that would be an interesting conversation to have because there are aspects of the heart of man that is, is not great, you know, and that, that we should correct through virtue. But that's not what they're saying. What they really believe is that all masculinity, traditional masculinity is a disease. And the alternative to that, I suspect, is femininity. But that's not true. 
when a woman acts like a woman, she's womanly. And that's a good thing. When a man acts like a man, he's manly. That's a good thing. When a man acts like a woman, he's not womanly. He's womanish. That's why we have two words for that. Because there's something disordered about that. There's something very wrong about that. It's not that womanliness, there's anything wrong with that. It's not that there's anything wrong with femininity. It's that there's something wrong when men behave in a womanish way and vice versa, because there are standards. There used to be standards. And what political correctness wants to do is invert those standards. So the idea of feminism was to apply traditionally male values and make all women live up to that. Simone de Beauvoir, very famous feminist, and Jean-Paul Sartre's trumpet, famously said to Betty Friedan, another very famous feminist, that women cannot be given the choice to stay home and raise kids, because if given that choice, they'll take it. And that's bad. They need to go out and work. They need to adopt male values. So, th- so <laughs> what political correctness does is insist that women become men, and as Kumail Najani says, men need to become women. That's a very bad idea. I think, I know this is a radical proposal, men should be men and women should be women. But in order to have that standard, which was once considered common sense for, you know, all of human history until five minutes ago, for that standard to come back, we need to articulate it. We can't just throw up our hands and say, you do you and anybody does anything and I don't care how you behave and it doesn't affect me. No, you, you have to be a little stronger than that. You have to go out and say, men should do this. Men should act with chivalry, which is, by the way, another standard. It's not the left calls that identity politics. It's not real. Identity politics is a specific thing. It's a left-wing modern invention. Chivalry is a different kind of standard. That's the one we should go for. We need clarity on these things. We need clarity on our friends and our enemies. This is a huge news story. Uh, Documents revealed on Wednesday by Canada's Rebel News Network, Ezra Levant, show that Canada was planning to train Chinese soldiers in cold weather tactics at a military base in Ontario. And they canceled that program reluctantly when the White House found out about it and asked them to cancel it. Canada was going to invite America's number one enemy in the world to our doorstep to train their military. Justin Trudeau obviously making his father very proud here. You can interpret that statement as you will as well. If you're unfamiliar with this question, uh, feel free to Google Justin Trudeau's father. It's very interesting, (laughs) very interesting reading, but I'm sure, I'm sure he's making whatever you discover on (laughs) that little journey down the internet. Uh, Either way, he would be making his father very, very proud. This is some radical stuff and it's happening very quickly. Drew Clavin likes to use this line that he's, he's taking from Ernest Hemingway that then I've stolen from both of those guys, which is things happen gradually, then suddenly. This election has been happening gradually and gradually and gradually. Now we're approaching the suddenly part. We're days away from the electors voting. The Supreme Court not signaling that they're going to be too helpful to the Trump campaign and the Trump legal effort. So we, we might be getting into the suddenly part of all of this. And suddenly it's going to look really, really bad from big tech, from elected Republicans on domestic policy, from the culture, cultural standpoint, and from the foreign policy standpoint. We need to be extraordinarily vigilant. We need to do everything we possibly can. If this election is not going to go for Trump, we need to do everything we possibly can while we still have the power. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. Hunter Biden is under investigation for his business dealings in China. We knew that, but a lot of America didn't because big media and big tech buried the story to help get Joe Biden elected. It's one big chain of corruption, and we'll talk about it all on The Andrew Clavin Show.